Italian Spider-Man, and I'm going to invent right. I'm gonna. I'm going to 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 show you who did it. It's this guy, Dario Russo. How you doing? Hello. Pleasure to be here. Uh, <laughs> so I've been trying to track you down for a long time. <laughs> well, I make myself difficult to find intentionally. So well done. Well, I can. I I, I can understand that, but you know what? I found you it adds and to the I, mystique I, yes good good yes. <laughs> I, we, we thank you it was, yeah, we very appreciate we certainly appreciate a good mystique because lord knows nobody can ever find us <laughs> <laughs> so um, what i want to know is uh what inspires you let's just start the show with what what the hell inspired your vision of anything that you've done what what inspires you <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess if we're talking about Italian Spider-Man, um, that was a very uh, it, a intense period of uh, discovering uh, like Italian 60s cinema for me. Uh, so uh, put it into context, I was at college, um, uh, you know, so I was I was like 20 uh, and I was finding, I, I just discovered Mario Bava's uh, Danger Diabolic and me and uh, one of my fellow college friends um sam went on a real bender of watching a lot of barber movies a lot of jalos um and just absorbing ourselves in that era um so i'd kind of been dabbling in retro-ish stuff for a while i'd been making short films since high school and they always sort of skewed towards schlock uh in, ge in general like the first short film i made was called uh marsh beast uh and was about a, a, a creature that lived in a swamp and, you know, devoured a bunch of fishermen. And then the, his friends went on a revenge mission to try and kill the creature and the Cuban military got involved and that kind of thing. And, you know, I made a, I made a, you know, paper mache monster head, <laughs> do all the POV shots. And um, so anyway, I, my, my kind of sensibility is always straight into that, that, that area, but leading up to Italian Spider-Man, it was really yeah, this intense period of Italian movie watching. Um, um, four times that night was another one, another barber. It was like a portmanteau movie where a bunch of short stories within the same film, uh, another touchstone for the time. Um, yeah, so that really, that was the mission. Um, and then it, it just so happened that I, I, in my final year at college, I got the chance to shoot. We did an assignment where we all got to shoot on 16 millimeter film. Um, we got like a can each and then, you know, go and do something with it. So uh, we did it, Italian Spider-Man. <laughs> That's yeah. <laughs> I, 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 the, the image, the image that really captured me was the first thing that I ever saw was, uh, this short, dumpy, uh, mustached Spider-Man smoking a cigarette. And I was like, Oh God, this is just great. <laughs> he's a, he's a hero for all of us. Do yeah. you like the film, the editor? Yeah. I like the film. The <laughs> yeah. Those guys are fantastic. The Astron six crew. Um, I have yet to show that to Mick yet. And I think he'll, Oh love yeah, absolutely. <laughs> those guys are fantastic. We were lucky enough to me and Dave met them when we went to fantastic fest in Austin a few years back. And we had been kind of chatting over those guys have got very similar sensibilities to, to us and, and make, <laughs> oh, make really no, now I feel behind already. Oh. <laughs> I wonder if they have like a slaps per minute record. <laughs> <laughs> I, think Sean, I think Sean, Sean Connery holds that probably. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but that's in real life, not in a movie. Yeah. 
Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, exactly. Both fiction and nonfiction. Fiction and nonfiction. You're mixing. You make this is fiction. That's nonfiction. Don't mix them up. <laughs> well, I, I I have to tell you that um, from the point from my point of view of being a production designer uh, for many years, uh, if the beard would give you any indication of how many years, uh, having been a production designer and doing the Nightmare on the Streets back in, in the day, like three and four and all that. Uh, not to mention the hidden. Not well, to, well, oh, the, that, hidden, the hidden. The <laughs> hidden. Yeah, that's a, freaking, that's a favorite for, I, for us. I, I can I can never tell. You, you know, the, the weird thing about having a career that goes as widely varied as mine did over the years is that I just can never tell what it's going to be with somebody. I'm not kidding. I was having a discussion one time with somebody, and, and uh, all of a sudden they just stopped. I guess they were looking on their screen, right? Uh, and they went, oh, my God, you did strays. And I went, yeah, yeah, the cat one. Yeah, and he goes, <laughs> he goes he strays. I said, my God. I was like, <laughs> okay, out of, all, out of everything I did, the one with the killer cats, that's the one, that that's the hill that's that you it. choose that's... to die on? Yeah, I yeah. guess so. You've been lucky enough to work on so many cool things that you got a kind of shotgun effect of what's going to make an impact with yeah, people. Yeah. What is it going to be? You know, is it? I'm is more it, of a fan of uh, your work that you don't remember doing. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of that. The, the stuff that that didn't make it to IMDb. That's that right. Yeah. Hey, hey. And here's the thing: I grew up in a period where uh, you know my stuff was only reclaimed by people. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, there are there's tons of crap out there that that never got on IMDb. And, sure. and I tell that to people nowadays and, and they go, you mean you could do something and it wouldn't show up on IMDb? I said, because let's face it, if you shot a freaking uh, 30 second short in your bathroom while sitting on the toilet, it would show up on IMDb, even if you never said anything about it. Right. Yeah. Somehow, somehow, I think that it actually goes from the camera directly to IMDb now. Yes, you've authorized IMDb to do that when you <laughs> when you signed up after after Amazon bought it. I think <laughs> then it's that's yeah. absolutely it. But but the thing is, is from the production designer's point of view, uh, how much fun was uh, Danger Five? I mean, I, I mean, it, it blows my mind because there's there's such a like I, I'm just sitting there. I'm going. Well, that's get smart, and uh, and that's the uh, the puppet one, right? Thunderbirds. Uh, Thunderbirds. Yeah. Thunderbirds. That's Thunderbirds, and and I just just that's uh, that's Man from Uncle, and, and and right down the line, just going bang, 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 and I'm going. I would love, and and by the way, I want a German Shepherd just like that. <laughs> right? I, I, I want hitler's hitler's girlfriend right Hit, right blondie yeah yeah blondie. yeah yeah uh I think, eva? Um, oh yeah eva the, the eva. <laughs> eva in german shepherd form right in german shepherd i i well i just got a Get a breeder German Shepherd and teach it German, and you know, like it was very difficult for us to do that. <laughs> Why does your dog only bark at rabbis? That's a long story. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I love the fact that that as you're looking at the dog, it 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 kind of uh, it's flatter than it is. Oh, it's quite you flat. Know, it's quite flat. You know, like when he when he turns and he's flat, and I go, God, that's great. That's just so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, it was made of its its torso was predominantly high density foam covered with I think a combination of kangaroo pelt. <laughs> and, um, that's not a that's not a joke. That's not that's an Australian no joke. joke. It's genuinely kangaroo pelt is the majority of the fur on those German shepherds because it was an accessible form of uh, you know like they used a lot of uh, kangaroo stuff down there. I think you used the scrotum for uh, yeah. ear shifters. On cars. Oh, yeah, you bet. Whatever, just like whatever you fit on, like we'll the, use the kangaroo nuts. It's just there. Yeah, sure, it's available. Uh, you're like the American, uh, the, the American Indian. We use the whole buffalo. Only yeah. we, we use the whole All kangaroo. Right. All of it. Right. Um, do you, yeah, do you my, guys uh, use the pouches? Pouches for uh, persons. I don't, I don't know if the pouch is necessarily very practical. It's you know lined with mucus and it's more amorphous than the scrotum, <laughs> whereas the scrotum is recognizable at least. Oh, like, yeah. That's a pair of kangaroo balls. That's something I can put. My cousin uses a, a, a pair uh, as a. He's got a dart board in his shed and he puts his darts in it. Uh, so fast, I'm writing this all down. Yeah, <laughs> I believe that was also a scrotum that he harvested himself for, from a. Ooh. No, he wasn't alive at the time. Um, but, uh, this is what we do well, down yeah, here. Yeah, but uh, that, that's just called a sport, right? Yeah, that's to get him live. Yeah, <laughs> right. different different kind of ball sport. This is just, different kind of ball sport. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> you ever played kangaroo ball? <laughs> So you you mentioned your love for Italian cinema earlier this year. I got to show Mick Deep Red for the first time. Wow, fantastic! Yeah, and he he went ape shit over that. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. You it's one to, of those things. You, you have to understand. I spent very little of my. <laughs> I had a very long career, and I spent very little of it looking at movies. Fair enough. I understand because. Yeah, and you can you can totally understand, right? Yeah, yeah. You at a at a point you're just sort of like saturated, and you've got you work on them all the time, and your head's in that space. It's like I don't, don't want to spend my free time watching other people's mistakes on screen. It's like yes, <laughs> <laughs> there really is. Yeah. Well, I would have done that better, and you know. yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, uh, but I'm glad I, I you mean, finally I, got introduced to to Profondo Rosso. That's uh... oh yeah, no, that's it, it's great stuff. I mean, I, I mean, I, I have a long time to catch up because uh, because I did so many things. <laughs> that's good. I think most people would hope that's the case that their life yeah, is filled with life instead of just watching movies. <laughs> yeah, it was it wasn't life. It was it it was all alive. It, it, it could it could all be broken down the next day. Let's face it. Right. Hey, same goes for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I have a question. So, what are you doing now? Are you because you're into an audio pro? Uh, 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 you're doing an audio thing, and I, I thought it was really, really interesting. We did. We did a. Um, we did an audible, a Danger Five audible series, um, because Audible Australia kicked off um, last year. Uh, and they were looking for some local content, origin, local originals, yeah, and original. through and and so they sort of came to us and said, "You think Danger Five would work?" 
uh, in audio format. And we said, yeah, sure. And uh, we just went for it. And we did an eight, eight episode, eight half hour episodes, which are, it's essentially, it's a radio play. Uh, we yeah, brought, we, yeah, we brought in the original voice actors from season one. So it's the original lineup. Luckily, all of them were here uh, in Adelaide, except for Sean James Murphy, who we had to import from Los Angeles briefly, which was very timely because I think we delivered just as the virus kind of just kicked the off. Virus is, ah. yeah, yeah. Um, you, guys all, you, you guys could all like COVID together, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, then, or, then, so we, it, it worked. It was fun. Um, it was a very different production experience to doing the TV show. Much less stressful. Much less money, though. Uh, and um, yeah, overall, it was it was good. And then we got all this kudos for like, oh, well done, guys. You you pivoted, you know, during during the COVID situation. It's like <laughs> we did that deal like a year ago, and <laughs> now it just happened. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so it was, uh, it was fun. I, I, I'm really interested. I will, I, I'm going to see if I can uh, track some of that stuff down. Yeah, sure. It's all on Audible US and it's everywhere in every Audible territory where they speak English. So uh, you can get a free trial and listen to it all and then not, now, not subscribe. How, how long was Danger 5 on um, Netflix? Netflix, it was, it was on, yeah, a couple of years. It was 15 to 17, I think, um, both se season one and season two. Yeah, I, I think I, re I I remember watching the first season. I've never seen. I was going to see the second season, but uh, it disappeared in the meantime. Mm. So, well, shout shout factory TV have it now, um, and and they've seemed to they've aggregated pretty broadly. So I'm pretty sure it's on Prime streaming in the US as well. So yeah, there's a lot of ways you can watch it in the states. Yeah, now. yeah. I want to see the the 80s version. You know, yeah, well, then you'll see all the references to the hidden that are everywhere in it. Oh, so, really? like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Like, you know, one of our characters steals a flamethrower from evidence. Really? Oh, yeah, my yeah. God. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, man. That's, that's, seriously, the hidden is, was real, is a real touchstone for us. It's, it's that's incredible. Really I'm, I'm funny. really. I'm really in awe of the fact that you and all the freaking the creature effects, the bugs coming out of the mouth. There's just oh, so man. many. That we used that those I actually used those clips in pitch videos I put together when we were trying to show people what we were doing with season right. two. You know, like, right. not yeah. that we, yeah. not that we could, not that we could afford or, or had the time to do any effects that even came close to what you pulled off with some of that stuff. Uh, but uh, can I can I tell you a story about the hidden that absolutely that, that you will absolutely appreciate? So, so we got up to the end and uh, <laughs> and we. We had it was just before we uh did the the final sequence in the uh um uh, inside of the the party at the very end where yep. he, he shoots the, the creature on the stage. Uh-huh. And uh what we had done is we had and if you notice this, you notice that when they plant themselves and they start firing that they're firing higher. <laughs> right. Okay, here's the, and everybody does. When I say that, they go, "Yeah, right." Everybody was like firing up like this, right? Well, yeah. Here's what happened. We uh, we showed up for the days that we had to shoot. We shot on a stage. We shot all the. Uh, we had shot plates there, and then they decided to throw the plates. For some reason, the plates didn't develop right. Right. Okay. Uh, it, 
I don't know what it was, but but so what we wound up doing is we shot it and and the instructions got mixed up. And we we had the people that were running the high speed camera. We got that group in, but we were also supposed to get a group was that was gonna do the referencing on a blue screen mm. in order to set the blue screen into a new background that we were that we also had there. And somebody goes, Well, they didn't show up. <laughs> so let's just put the background back here and we'll go ahead and we'll just shoot it there uh, uh, against the uh, background with the curtain that you brought. That's the same curtain that was in there. Right. And so be, I mean, it was like, it was like, it sort of reminded me of Spinal Tap. <laughs> remember, remember the thing, remember the thing on Spinal Tap when he draws the little tiny, the little yeah, tiny, the little stone tiny Stonehenge. Stonehenge, yeah. Stonehenge, right. That's exactly what happened. We were on stage and, and it, it, it all went, by the end of the day, what we had done is we had filmed it not up against the blue screen that it was supposed to be against. Mm. It, we were supposed to film that separately. Mm. And we just, we were supposed to film a blue screen with the creature in front of it. Got you. So you're saying there's a, then there's a what mismatched eye line between the the uh, <laughs> well, the flamethrower. Well, well, the thing is, is we almost had to go in and completely reshoot it, but we were running out of time. And and basically, what was it was supposed to have grown. So, <laughs> so, so that it was. See, you see, you get this right. It was supposed to have been against the blue screen, so that it could have grown. Oh, I could have expanded when. Oh my god! See now, do you get it? Yes, so, because nobody could believe. I mean, we were all talking about it. It's like, well, wait a minute. How are we supposed to like be afraid of this thing that gets, that goes up on the stage and is thirteen fucking inches tall, right? Okay, now you see it. Now you Fantastic. see the whole story, right? Fantastic. So, so then we went and we did that, and the thing is, is is Jack Shoulder then just cut it together like that, and he says, well, you know. It works because the ending isn't about the killing of the creature. It's more about the the transfer at the end. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. It's the sweet story and not the and and not the monster story. Got you. And he and he thought that in the end, well, he'd just leave it that way because it 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 because in the end it, it worked and and actually it it always does it does work except for the eyelines. <laughs> Except for the eyelines, yeah, exactly. The eyelines are all because everybody's going ah, and it's ah. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. That's, that's amazing. That's, even the boys with a lot of money screw up, right? <laughs> There's a lot to keep track of. Uh, there is a lot to keep track of, and 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 you know sometimes, and especially in that case is is. Uh, when you're doing movies and you part all the information out, mm. it, it did teach me something though. Mm. It taught me that I was going to learn more and more and more and more about everything. So that, so that, cause what really bothered me is that that actually happened on my watch. I mean, mm. I was there, I was the production designer. It's not like it was my fault, but, but I, all I had to have known if I had just known you know, I would, I could have solved that in a heartbeat. Sure, sure, and, sure. And, 
I think it mentally scarred me because from then on, I just kept learning about everything. <laughs> yeah, you had to have that bird's eye view of the whole thing. Well, I mean, as you know, technically, it's the, the director's responsibility to know where everything is going to go together, no, 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 and it, then it can't be. That's not the responsibilities. You, you know, oddly enough, is the director is supposed to share that with the production designer to a certain extent. I just mm. got to the point to where I was going to make sure it was going to be everything. Yeah, right. got you. You know, so, I think the more the more everybody knows about everything, the heads of departments anyway, the the better for a production because then it's the the more likely people are going to catch problems that are cross departmental because everything is cross departmental to a certain extent. So yeah, yeah, Hollywood's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> union the 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 way the unions break yeah. things up is is if you reach. You know, if you reach your your hand over here to adjust this, yeah, they yeah, cut your hand, they cut your hand off. <laughs> Somebody breaks breaks your knuckles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's not a matter of whether it was right or wrong. It's a matter that your hand was over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See what see what I'm saying? It's not a member of the right Yahtzee code. To oh yeah, boy, yeah. that's it, it gets. It, it, in fact, I literally after a while started to make my living. Uh, coming in and fixing situations like that wow and i and i did it through the te through the 2000s like uh in quite a few instances uh, mm. i was just hired in just specifically to like to stand there with a lawyer <laughs> wow it'd be the guy that goes no nah, we're gonna do the, like this and this and this and then while everybody's uh you know talking to the lawyer then we actually get it done so wow that's, yeah yeah, it was a uh, complex. Yeah, it was complex, and I'm I'm done with that now. Fair enough. Uh, I retired for a while, and I'm going to be directing here this summer. So excellent. excellent. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Right. So so I I just have to say uh, I bow before you. I I I the mixture stuff on Danger Five. I mean, Italian Spider Man tickled me. Right. But, it was ticklish. That was what it was. It was well. It was. It, it tickled me in that special way. But uh, but I but I just have to say that uh, that Danger Five is just because I was, uh, I was a Thunderbirds kid, you know, just sitting in front of the TV, and I I, I watched Thunderbirds. I watched. I loved the Thunderbirds. I loved um, Get Smart. You know, mm. Star Star Trek, and and. And, it, and, you know, the thing is, is I saw these when they were out the first time, you know, sitting in front of a 19 inch black and white TV. Yeah. And when I saw Danger 5 and, and uh, the uh, the scene, you mixed real life with the, the odd, the odd, truly, truly Thunderbirds <laughs> um, backgrounds and stuff. You did it so well. I was like, oh. wow. Thank you, thank you. It's yeah. yeah. Well, it was uh, it, that was that was a direct. Um, we, I guess our headspace was still well and true. Basically, we we almost got a chance to turn Italian Spider Man into a TV show, and then that deal fell over, um, and we got a chance to develop something new, um, which ended up being Danger Five. So we kind of supercharged, and by that point, we had loaded our bases with '60s shit that we really wanted to do. <laughs> We had a list, uh, just had a list, and you were just ticking it off. Yeah. Day, right? Oh, yeah. you bet. It was like this stack <laughs> of stuff from all the TV shows you described, plus a lot of the ITV classics like The Avengers, The Prisoner, 
um, UFO, um, all of the Secret Sean Connery agent man, uh, Secret Agent Man, uh, Danger Man, Man from Uncle. Yeah, I was trying to think of the uh, Mission Impossible. All those, they're yeah. all referenced, and they're just like right down the line. I love pretty it. much. It's it all locked in, and then we we just had all this stuff we wanted to do. All the Sean Connery Bond movies. Uh, I'm a big fan of all of the '60s era Godzilla films as well, oh, yeah, and there's yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff from the Tokusatsu uh, of that era. Um, so it was all this stuff we wanted to do and it's just full of references everywhere. It's, you know, um, so it, it's a, it's a love letter to all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Just for, now, now I have a question. So where are you going with it now or are you going anywhere with it at all? No, going nowhere with Danger 5. Um, it sort of exists in its own world. We got to do it when we got to do it. Um, if somebody were to uh, come in and, you know, offered a commission another series. We'd have to think about it seriously, but we think we dug ourselves in such a hole with the second season in terms of ambition <laughs> that we would probably only be able to do it as an animated series uh, in this climate. Oh, gotta, so we would, we would definitely, we would definitely consider extending it in an animated format, but in terms of live action and the way that the TV world kind of works at the moment, I just don't think we can do it anymore. Oh yeah. We, well, the, the cost, the the way that uh, the money is is, is aligned. I, I'm just starting to get used to that. You know, the mm. production 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 costs have come way down. So looking at a budget now is like kind of foreign to me, and it, you have to readjust your head for it. You know. Yeah, and also something something. Uh... Fundamental. So, if we're just talking about half-hour TV comedy, which is the space that we're working in, um, to do something really high concept as a comedy project, like if it's genre and it's comedy, um, it's basically never live action. Right. Uh, it's almost always an animated series of some kind. If it's, it's going to it's, be, you have to sneak stuff into a category. See, I've 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 always thought that that you, you know, if the categories are so specific. I, I've worked with people before and I say, well, yeah, I, I'll do a project with them. And I say, well, describe, describe the project. And they say, well, it, it's a comedy, only it's sort of a ghost comedy and it's a, uh, and it's got a serious edge here on this and this and this. And you're going, yeah, you just lost money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or you need, you know, you need such a ramp into the project. For instance, a good example is um, uh, the what we do in the Shadows TV series on FX now, which oh, is right, ge right. like genuinely genre comedy. It's like horror comedy, right? right. But that yeah. had the whole momentum of uh, the, the feature film they made years ago. Um, Jermaine Clement's history with um, Flight of the Concords, plus right. then Taika Waititi directing the Thor movie, yeah. and then everything sort of launches up into... Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's not that it doesn't happen. It's just that, you know, yeah. No. So Yeah, so anyway, yeah, Danger 5 could still live on if uh, we, you know... Uh, more audio may be animated, but you know we're pretty. We've been developing new stuff for years now, and that's been our major focus. Well, there's a, now there's a question. How about what what do you have coming that's new uh, that you can talk about? Not much uh, that we can talk about. We've got a lot of projects in the works, but basically we've been we've been working as writers pretty consistently for the last five years or so on a, on mainly stuff that will will never make it to screen or you know living in development world. So oh yeah, just uh, believe me, I I I have had a lot of friends 
I, I explained this to somebody the other day. I said, I, I've had friends that lived that, that uh, had deals and turnaround that came and worked, you know, on my cruise as, as, as a carpenter, literally because they were bored. They were making 50000 to $150,000 a year just in turnarounds, right? That, mm. That's that's. Yeah. Exactly. The, there's a, the huge part of the sort of economy is on projects that will never make it to screen, which is quite incredible. It's like there's this, it's an industry in development that totally never developed. TV um, has been that way since the beginning. That's, mm. a, that's the thing is, is for the amount of work that happens in just Southern California that's directly related to television that you will never see is astounding it is like a it's like an iceberg you know it goes like, all goes into the big toilet at the end of sunset boulevard <laughs> <but> just, <laughs> right. it's just enormous it's like every once in a while somebody has to go out and flush southern california uh, <laughs> yeah, all, the, all these all these scripts just get purged oh, out into the sea. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they call it el nino <laughs> <laughs> Hey, somebody's got to do it. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Plus, uh, my, my opinion is, like, if you take yourself seriously as a writer, as long as you're getting paid to write, you're already living the dream to a certain extent. Because, really? like, <laughs> What's it matter? Like, yeah, no, it's like because there are so many people. This is a, an aspirational industry where lots of people don't even get to that stage, you know? Like, you're already a, um, a small percenter if you're you're doing what you do, you're doing what you want to do and get paid to do it. So, Oh yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, it's funny what I didn't understand. And this, and this, I sort of got, I did a film called vengeance, uh, Friday the 13th vengeance, uh, maybe about uh, two years ago. And it, it, it's the first thing that I ever did that was a fan film, first of all. And basically what I was trying to do is get, kind of go back to like a bare bones kind of filmmaking, you know, because mm. uh, I had, I had like was kind of rebuilding my reputation after hiding for a long time, helping people out that I can't talk about. And, and the thing is, is when, when I, when I was doing it, I met people who actually do this as entertainment. <laughs> and I was like, Wow people really do do this for entertainment, you know, you know, um, I was yeah. okay, but n nobody else was. And, and, and I had to, uh, get used to a, a new paradigm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's, it, it, filmmaking has become very, um, uh, egalitarian, you know, everybody can, everybody's walking around with the, the capability that you're walking around with the same capability in your pocket nowadays that you used to, uh, we used to have a $500,000, uh, uh, you know, lighting setup and editing booth and everything else. And it's, and it's now in everybody's pocket. Right. So, so yeah. it has it created a, a, yeah, I find it really interesting. I, I think it's uh, bringing out a lot of talent but a lot of them don't know how to do things. And I come along no. and go, well, I can teach you how to do things. <laughs> that, you're right. That is the interesting thing that's happened with the, this, this sort of 
uh, you know, what they call the democratization of content making, oh. right? Like everybody's got the tools at their disposal, but now we've lost the legacy of kind of training in terms and of... Because it was locked away with a bunch of old guys. Yeah. Well, one of them, I know. I mean, you know, we were the professional. You know, it, it had that, that term professional in front of it. And mm. because it used to be a business, all of it used to be a business. You know, we, me and my DOP talk about this all the time when we, we're watching movies, you know, sometimes specifically you can see it through the early 90s. It was like, holy shit, this is the culmination of like half a century of technical development that has basically a whole uh, century yeah yeah century that's that's what i tell people all the time i say look here's the thing by the time i got into the business and, and and i spent the time you know from the early 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 80s up up through the you know the 90s in there that that was the last of the, you, you know, I walked away like from Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which is this enormous mm. film that was all done practically for mm. the weirdest reason because we didn't have enough time to actually uh, avail ourselves of too many optics or anything like that, right? Mm. So, so, and it was a huge. And, mm. and walking away from that, I didn't realize that. That was about the last of that sort of thing that you would do, you know? Yes. Yeah, it was that era. It was like it was the pinnacle of all of these of this skill that had yeah. been amassed and yeah. craft and craft that had been really layered up and and then suddenly the digital like the millennium really was the split. Right. Where well, it was right on the millennium. Absolutely. Then suddenly the advent of digital cinema uh, and this kind of uh, cheapening of content because of piracy and the way that the distribution model changed suddenly meant that the skill sets all declined as well, and you just got stuff that's made badly. Um, either, that, either that, either that, or you had everybody that was left <laughs> was doing was doing the Marvels, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. They all get pushed into that. That's right. Which is which is the cinema, like the mainstream Hollywood cinema economy, is hundred million plus. Right. It's a. It it is a hundred million plus. You know. And, mm. and I say that that the distribution is still a broken, barely walking along thing anymore, and that the next twenty years is is going to be the evolution of a new. Form, new complete forms of, of distribution, mm. you know, of, of monetizing it because it does need to be remonetized in some way, you know. I mean, yeah, because yeah, otherwise we're just going to end up with a streaming monopoly, um, which is what's happening at the moment. Uh, and they're going to start driving down prices and, and drive it down until nobody wants to do it anymore. So uh, I, I, I just, you know, I really do find it interesting, though, because in the middle of that, you still get things like what we do in the shadows, and you get weird motherfuckers like these guys that did Danger Five. <laughs> well, there are some perks to living at the bottom of of the world. Let's put it that way. Like, um, we, I can't sort of, uh, I can't get rid of my uh, outsider perspective uh, because it's like, you know, growing up in a place that's 17,000 well, kilometres away from the epicentre of show business as we know it. it. But, it's, but it's very, 
it's super interesting though. I mean, uh, what we did in the shadows gave us the director of, um, Oh, what is the film that he did last year? Hunt for the Wheel. Uh, you mean the the big one he did or the small one he did? Uh, the bit, the, uh, the Hitler. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. That's see now that's something that could only come from an outsider's point of view, right? Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, I, I mean, totally. I mean, it, I I don't think that an American or a German or anybody from Europe or or England could have written that script. You had to have been. You had to have been in a society that was just on the edge and outside of it, you know, like uh, like a New Zealander. I, I, you know, it, it's it, it it's an interesting voice. It comes from out of left field, and and where are we going to? Uh, the question is, is where are we going to keep those films and keep these people, and where are they going to come from, and how are they going to distribute? Because mm. There, there's a lot of great I, I think there's a lot of great stuff out there and I'm gonna make sure it, of it fair enough <laughs> hey Excellent. listen I, I have to tell you uh, usually at this point I get a uh, I, I get a text message from TV. no you still got a good five minutes left I got actually. five minutes you got a good okay, five minutes left do me a favor here's what I want I want your best story from the set of danger five <laughs> Come on, um, come on! You got. Okay. I know you. No, no, you've got one that you tell. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I got a, I got a good, I got a good one. Okay, okay. I got a good one. I don't know if it's the best one, but it's pretty good. Season two, which unfortunately you, you you're yet to yet to I see. To um, so there's a scene. There's a scene in season two where it's Pierre's birthday, uh, and at the right at the end of the episode, it's the culmination. There's been a car chase. There's been all this crazy shit that's happened, and then. Pierre has a sidekick called Mackenzie, who's a man with a, the head of a lion. Okay. Uh, and Mackenzie, right, right after the sort of, in this denouement of all of the drama, suddenly Mackenzie says, happy birthday, Pierre, and he pulls out a birthday cake, right? right. Um, now we're just about to shoot this scene and we're, we're shooting in a like a reasonable size soundstage. We've got an, it, an alleyway set that we're shooting in. There's a freaking car in it. Um, uh, we get to we're, we're setting up the shot for where we've got all of Danger Five in frame, and Mackenzie has to get the birthday cake out, and then we've hazed up the whole space, um, and then suddenly the production designer says, "Oh, um, we've got to open the we've got to open the soundstage door," and I was like, "No, we've just hazed up. We can't do that." No, he's like, "Yeah, but we have to open the door to get the cake in." <laughs> <laughs> And I that, and that this is like the end of the day. I'm just I've listening. Been there like, I, think, I think I think my head is broken because this doesn't make. And there's like a normal size door as well. And he's like, no, the cake won't fit through that door. We need to open the roller door. Right. And so they open the door, and then I and then suddenly in comes this on wheels, this multi-tiered uh, wooden. <laughs> wooden cake that's like the kind that they you know the in in like a, a billy wilder movie a, a woman would come <laughs> out of um uh and i was like no no it's just a cake it's, it's just a, it's like he's just, it just needs to be a supermarket cake with candles on it <laughs> and and that's it and and it's you know like this was one of those things i didn't think i had to describe to the 
to the art department was like, it's a cake. It's got candles on it. He blows it out. Cool. <laughs> and somehow they went, right, biggest right. fucking cake in the world. You know what they heard? Hugest fucking cake in the world. We got it. <laughs> Let's do it. I think that was the mentality on that production. It's like, yeah, which makes sense because in every other respect, it's like, how do we get the most right. ridiculous thing we possibly can? Right, and, right. Uh, and so then somebody literally. You know what? I'm not kidding. I was I was sitting here thinking, well, you know, <laughs> it is Danger Five, you know. <laughs> yeah. The one thing that didn't have to be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and last shot of the day where it's just like fucking hell like what, somebody's got to go to the supermarket now <laughs> you, know, you know what that is right that's your little tiny monster yes from from the is. hidden that's your little tiny monster all we needed was somebody with an eye line looking at a 10-story yeah, looking at the <laughs> Why is he looking at the that cake's why, not very why is he looking at the ceiling? I don't understand. <laughs> well, that's a that's a good one. That's you know what that that brought us full circle. I swear it did. It did. It was beautiful. Okay, there you go. Uh I want to thank you so much, man. I I I, I have to say, I uh, just such a big fan of your stuff. I really am. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure yeah. to be here. Fan of your stuff too. Oh, well, there you go. You know, that's uh it's uh my stuff was all accidental. <laughs> Everybody, <did>, really. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, uh, yeah, whatever. Okay, TJ, take us out, man. Okay, so that was another episode of the Rabbit Hole Podcast. It's me, TJ Bowser. That's Mick Strawn. That's Dario Russo. For more content, head on over to projectlouder.net, your source for pop culture and much more. This is your host with the motherfucking most, TJ Bowser, the lady arouser, signing off. Later, guys. Oh, thanks, man. Dude, you, you, you are.